he found that by being the source for helping people keep their home, he was getting a whole lot of leads for people who went through that process but still couldn't figure out a way to keep it, so they had to sell, mm. and they ended up going selling to him. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's... The interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best a lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and they've got a white paper for you and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. Normally, I interview a real estate investor and get their best advice ever. But today, as we usually do on Fridays, we do follow on Friday, joined by Theo Hicks. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Joe. Great. great. Glad to hear that. And today, we're going to be talking about what we got going on in our real estate entrepreneurial endeavors and how that relates to you and how we can help you out along the way. And specifically, we're going to talk about two surprising and proven ways to get off-market apartment deals and some other miscellaneous things that might be helpful for you. So let's dive right in. Let's dive right in. So the first one we are calling direct mail with a twist. So it's not a drink you get at a bar and happy hour. It's actually a version of something to add to your direct mailing campaign that you're already doing. And basically what you do is you include a call to action when you're mailing out to apartment owners, inviting them to your already established meetup. They can come as either speakers or as participants. And the goal is that when you're inviting them, obviously the benefit for them is that you'll be presenting or someone will be presenting some sort of information that's relevant to an apartment investor. So for example, you would invite them to your event and say that you're going to do a presentation on seven ways to increase NOI on an apartment building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and taking a step back, the reason why we came up with this is because when you send out direct mail, you might not get a response from people. 
they might not be ready to sell. And that's okay because that's just what you expect with direct mail, right? You're not going to get a very high response rate. However, if you start building a relationship with these owners, regardless of if they're looking to sell, then I think we can all agree that's going to be beneficial in multiple ways. So when you send out a direct mail, perhaps the first couple pieces don't have a call to action to a local meetup, but maybe the third, fourth, and fifth do have a call to action. Like, okay, you weren't getting a response from them on the first couple pieces, so try a different approach. Instead, invite them to a local meetup that you host and it could say, come to this meetup on XYZ date and learn seven ways to increase your NOI or three surprising tips for decreasing your expenses. Then they'll come to the meetup. Then you can start forming a relationship with them. And that's even better than them responding via phone and you having more of a transactional approach with them versus you're building a relationship with them. Because then you can be in touch with them over the long run. You'll stay top of mind when they are looking to sell. So this is for investors who are local to the market that they're mm-hmm. seeking to find the property. Because you would need to have a meetup that is being hosted. Unless you have a team member who is hosting a meetup and then you partner with that team member, then that would work. But primarily, this tip where you have in your direct mail piece a call to action to attend a local meetup to provide value to these owners, that's for if you're local. Now we got another tip that is for if you are not local. So regardless of where you live relative to where you're seeking to invest, the following tip will be helpful for you. Yeah, and I know we've talked about, because for this tip, you or someone on your team needs to have a meetup that they're hosting. And we've talked about how to do that on this podcast before, but we also have a blog post that's basically a step-by-step guide and gives you examples of three different meetups that different investors have hosted. And that blog post is called To Source Real Estate Deals and Generate More Wealth, Start a Meetup Group. Well, if you're listening to this via Facebook Live, then we'll have a link to it in the Facebook comments. And we'll also post that link in the show notes when the episode goes live via Apple and mm-hmm. wherever else you get this podcast. And something else I wanted to mention too is that the idea of in your marketing material providing you know, value add content or inviting them to something that's going to add value to their business. I know you've had a lot of real estate agents who have found a lot of success getting leads by doing that. So just sending out a basic, I represent sellers, I represent buyers. As an agent, mm-hmm. they send out different tips like here's four ways to buy your first house, here's four ways to prepare to sell your house. Mm-hmm. And so that way, again, you're still top of mind and you've already helped them out so they're more likely to help you out in return. So there's a lot of just added things that are in play when you're adding value to someone proactively before they do anything for you as opposed to just sending out a we buy houses or we sell houses flyer. Yeah, I remember there was a guest who talked about how he was getting a ton of leads. He was a single family home wholesaler. And he, in his direct mail and on his website, he provided ways for homeowners to keep their homes. If they were in trouble, then his whole approach was, here's 10 different things you should do in order to try and keep your home. And he found that by being the source for helping people keep their home, he was getting a whole lot of leads for people who went through that process but still couldn't figure out a way to keep it, so they had to sell, Mm. and they ended up going selling to him.
So that's again, the first tip is the direct mail with a twist, a call to action into your direct mailing campaigns to invite an apartment owner to your meetup event where you're presenting valuable content. The second one is uh, using a wholesaler. So yep. this is actually an example from episode 213. 213 of the podcast. And basically here, so the idea is that most apartment investors, including you, Joe, started off buying single-family homes. Yep. And so they have single-family homes in the portfolio. And you. Yeah, you're an apartment. You have I twelve am. units. I never bought a single family home though. Oh, I thought you duplex. You bought a duplex. I bought a duplex. All right, close whatever. Enough. Yeah, close, close enough. enough. Right. So, assuming the wholesaler is reaching out to single family owners, they might have an apartment building that they have, and they're just selling off properties they acquired early on in their careers. Mm-hmm. So, just simply ask a wholesaler to probe their leads for apartment deals. So, mm-hmm. ask them, do you also have the other properties you own, like? An apartment deal. Mm-hmm. It's such a no-brainer. It's a it's a gigantic win-win for you because you now have wholesalers working on your behalf. They're spending money on direct mail and they're spending money and time on finding leads, and you're not spending any money, and they get a huge win because all they have to do is ask one more question that they usually ask when they're speaking to their leads. And that is, do you also own any other real estate? And if the answer is no, then whatever. They just go do their thing with the single family home or the duplex. But if the answer is yes, I actually own a 12 unit. Or in the case of the guest Jonathan in episode 213 of this podcast, They owned a 16 unit, if memory serves me correctly, and he ended up buying a 16 unit deal. And he had been looking for apartments to syndicate, couldn't Mm -hmm. find any, so he just went back to his roots, or at least to this approach. And then through this, he found a 16 unit deal, and then he was able to close. So all you have to do, or all you get to do, is ask wholesalers who you have relationships with or you form relationships <clears throat> with, would you like to get the largest commission check of your life? I don't say it salesy like that, but basically they have an opportunity to get the largest commission check of their life by asking that one additional question to their leads and then you pay them a fee, whatever mm-hmm. you negotiate with them, if and when they find you a deal. And if they don't find anything, all right, fine. No sweat off your back. But if they do, then that's something that could have big benefits for both of you. Yeah, you already touched on this, but a really big benefit for the wholesaler is that there's no extra effort or, or money spent on their part because all it is simply whatever marketing piece they're setting out is adding one extra sentence to it. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they'll have more conversations, but at the end of the day, if they actually get in one deal, it'll more than make up for any extra effort or money they have to spend, which is going to be very little in the first place. Yeah. I used to get direct mail from my single-family homes and... Now, I don't get it as much, really, at all. But when I did, it was all from my homes. And I was like, no, I don't don't want to sell, but whatever. So I just threw it away. But if I did reach out to them about a house and they did say, hell, well, do you own anything else? Well, yeah, I do. And they said, well, I actually have a buyer who wants to buy your apartment, depending on if it meets certain criteria. I don't know if I would be interested, but at least listen. And then I'm just one person. Other people might react differently. Other people might say, oh, well, actually, I am coming up on my loan that's being due, and I do have to figure out if I'm going to sell it or refinance in the next 
18 to 24 months. So yeah, I'll send you the info or tell me more about who your buyer is. I'd probably say that I'd probably qualify the buyer mm-hmm. a little bit before I talked much more. But at least it opened up the conversation. And it's an absolute home run idea, in my opinion, to do as apartment investors. It's a no-brainer because it also brings more relevance to attending local meetups. If you already attend a local real estate meetup, you likely are not around a lot of other apartment investors. You're likely around a lot of wholesalers, fix and flippers, and people who buy and hold single family and duplexes, most likely. It's more beneficial for you to attend those types of meetings if you already attend because you can get more out of it because now you can work with those wholesalers by simply proposing this to them. Yeah, exactly. Follow the first method of you know, the direct mail, the twist, you already have a meetup, and so that's where you meet your wholesaler. So it's kind of a natural segue into this second strategy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So those are two ways to find off-market apartment deals that are most likely surprising to you or you haven't come across in that specific way. So moving on, do you have any business updates or personal observations from the past week? No, don't think so. Right now we're working on our investor updates yep. for the month. We have 12 updates. Pretty soon we'll have 14, but right now we have 12 updates, 12 properties. So we are compiling that, looking through all the information that we've been analyzing over the last month, and then we'll be sending those out to our investors. We always send it out by no later than the 14th, so the 14th or earlier. So we got a couple days to finalize that. So that's really a focus right now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, my end, as you mentioned earlier, last in-person following Friday, I've got the long drive down to Florida on mm-hmm. Saturday Yep. in the big foot U-Haul pulling my car behind me. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never driven anything that big before, but I'm not too worried about it. And my parents are flying down and my dad's actually a driver's ed teacher. He was. So I'm sure if I start driving poorly, it'll take over. And then obviously, I mentioned it before, we did rent out our house. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of, you know, we're going to have a cleaning person come in and we bought the lot box for the back door so that I don't have to come back to let them in. I plan on coming back to let them in, show how to use everything. But since we had the lock box, I don't have to. And also, you know, if something were to go wrong while we're gone, I don't want to come back to let the plumber or the HVC or whoever in. And so we can use that just to... I'll say, hey, lockbox in the back, mm-hmm. go on there. And that was the idea I got from my property management, actually. So I'm moving forward. I'm going to do the lockbox approach for everything. But on my three fourplex Before we go on three fourplex, oh, yeah. you reminded me when you talked about you driving down to Tampa, how one of our investors, she reached out, I won't say her first name or last name for confidentiality purposes, but... She reached out. She's so nice to me. And she said, hey, can you introduce me to Theo? I live in the Tampa area. And what did she offer? It mentioned that we were driving all day Saturday, obviously unpacking things on Sunday. And she offered to bring us over dinner. Wow. Yeah, isn't that nice? I know. I saw it. I was like, this is the nicest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So I called my wife. and I was like, she just offered to bring us food. And like the type of food she's going to bring over is like my wife's favorite food, too. Yeah. So we really appreciate that. And, and you took her up on it? So you yeah, we're going to take her up on it, for right, sure. All right, there you go. And then she also invited me to local REIA meetings down mm-hmm. there, too. Sweet. Um, so I've already kind of tapping into the investor network down there. And I know that she owns properties down there, mm-hmm. smaller rentals, more on where I'm focused on right now. So I can definitely ask you know, what areas you're investing in and, mm-hmm. and things like that. So that's what's great about this community. It's all over the country. And so if you move, you already kind of got a built-in yep. friendship down there. Yep, absolutely. Um so on my rental properties, 
I put him under property management since we're leaving. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned last week and the previous weeks, I really enjoy doing the strategy and mm-hmm. less tactical on the ground work. And I had a conversation with the property manager and we decided that we're going to, based off of looking at the rents in the market, we're going to raise the rents on a lot of the month-to-month leases. Okay. And I was kind of worried because, obviously, I don't, I don't want to mass exits of people. And so we started with one person that was the, kind of the plan. They accepted the, the rent increase. From what to what? From seven fifty to seven eighty, so okay. a thirty dollars bump, which isn't crazy. But if you add it across all twelve units, a thirty dollars bump. That's a significant amount of money per mm-hmm. year. So the idea is to implement that rent increase on all of the two bedroom the, units. The thirty on average, thirty on average, thirty. Yeah. Okay. And then for the one bedroom units, that one's a little bit different because we actually have a newer lease for our one bedroom sets. $75 higher than what the rest of the one-bedrooms are. So we should be able to demand a higher premium on the one-bedroom units compared to the two-bedroom units. And we're actually thinking about starting at $700, so increasing it by $100 with one person just to obviously test it out first. And if they say yes, then we'll continue on. If they say no, then we'll change it accordingly. But no, so I'm really excited about that and kind of just waiting to hear back what's going to happen oh, yeah. how it went. With your financing, are you able to do a refinance once all these rents, let's say all of them go through according to plan, are you able to do a refi to get your money back out? I don't think the lender that I used was using the rents to determine the price. It was based off of the sales comps. Okay. Because it's their four units, so they're technically not commercial. Right, right, right. But it's kind of like in between because I have used lenders before where they don't really look at the rent at all, whereas the lender that I do use, they right away look at the income you're bringing in for your properties, Mm -hmm. and that is taken into account when calculating your debt-to-income ratio. Mm -hmm. At the very least, it will increase the amount of debt we can take on by raising our rents. But I definitely plan on refinancing the properties as we pay them down and hopefully their increase in rents has some sort of effect on the property value. If you can get maybe a, a, a commercial loan for all of them, then they'd take it that down. 100%. The only issue with that, that was my idea too, and I yeah. talked to my lender about it. I'm just like, so, you know, because like obviously if you're doing the loans in your personal name, not a commercial loan, you're limited to an amount mm-hmm. for, the loan that we use is 10 per person. So I can get 10, my wife can get 10. And I mentioned like, okay, well, if you get 10 properties, why don't we just refinance into a jumbo loan? Yeah. And that just be one loan, nine more loans to go. But the negative with that is, number one, the interest rates will be way right. higher than what we pay now. Because basically, we have like really solid interest rates. What is it? I think it's 4%. 30 years yeah. for 4%. Yeah. So depending on where the market's at, if we refinance and our interest rates go way up, that's going to basically wipe out all the increased cash flow that we've gained by raising the rents. But if we're able to pull out a large amount of cash and then use that to get more cash flow, it might actually make financial sense to do so. So that's definitely an option. Just, mm-hmm. we, there's a couple of things I've got to keep in mind before actually pulling the trigger on that. Mm-hmm. But if we did do a jumbo loan, they would look at it as like a 12-unit property. Mm-hmm. And that way then, I'd be able to pull out probably a lot of cash. The rents that you're likely increasing now, they were already increased from when you initially bought it, correct? The rents that were on the lease and that were on the rent roll were not what they were actually paying. Right, right, right. They were higher. They what were they were higher. paying were actually higher. It was higher. The, what you valued the property at, those rents were based off of the rent roll, correct? Yeah. So you valued the property at X, and then the rents they were paying were higher than what was actually on the rent roll, so you got a bump there. Bump. And now you're doing another bump. We're doing another bump, yeah. And if we were to want to get even a higher bump, we can go in there and make some renovations, but in that area, we really don't have to. Yeah. Because, I mean, the units are not like... 
super up to date, that they're clean, they work, they have that like night like the nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies style that I personally don't like, but people say that they actually like the way that it looks, like a lot of colorful tile. So we don't want to get rid of that because I guess people will like it. But obviously in the near future, once the area that we're in starts continues to, to rise, then we'll have to go in there and put in you know, the granite countertops and redo the floors and update the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. But for now, there's there's really no need to. There's no demand for it. Yeah. Because those are the nicest property on the streets, which you don't have. Yeah. That's outstanding. That is excellent. Congrats on that. So hopefully once we're settled down in Florida, after a couple of months... We're going to be able to buy another property in Cincinnati, which is something else I wanted to mention. I talked to my property manager because obviously we do a lot, you focus on apartments. And so, you know, by working with you, I kind of see how the property managers approach larger apartment different than how, at least from my understanding, property managers approach the smaller buildings. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that you actually mentioned last week is how when you go and see the property before submitting an offer, you want to make sure your property management company is with you to actually look at the property. So make sure you schedule it so that they're there mm-hmm. to look at it with you. And I was kind of thinking, my property manager, who probably wants to be like that big mm-hmm. apartment property manager in the future, kind of ideas on how he can start to implement some of those strategies into his business. And one of them was offering a service to his clients who already have existing properties with him, not people that he's ever worked yeah. before, offering to look at new properties for them. Sure. Because that way, it'll allow him to have more clients out of state mm-hmm. than just have to focus on people that are just in Cincinnati. So he's willing to do that. Obviously, it'll be included in his fee that I'm paying him. If I find a property that I'm interested in buying, he or someone on his team will go and look at it. And we even talk about how you maybe take a FaceTime oh, yeah. tour so I can actually mm-hmm. watch it. And that's very helpful because I was brainstorming ways of how I can continue to invest in Cincinnati without having to come down here whenever I see a property come up on yeah. the MLS. That'd just be chaos. So we kind of discussed it and found a solution for it. So I'm like really excited about that too. I love that. And you'll look at it before you put any money hard or anything like that, right? You'd actually come here and look at yeah. it. Yeah. I remember at first, I just look at the property online. I'm like, oh, this is so great. You're so jacked up. And I go see it in person. What's really important, at least from my perspective, is like going to the property to see like this area, like driving up to yeah. the property. And you can't get that without being there. You can't get that on Google Maps. You can't get that... Just by looking at the MLS listing, you have to actually go there in person to kind of get the vibe mm-hmm. of the area, which is very important. So obviously I'll have to come down, but I don't want to kind of waste my time mm-hmm. on certain things. When I was buying single family homes, that's what I was doing. Because I was living in New York City, I was buying in Texas, and this is before Facebook Live. My real estate agent would take a video and he would just shoot the video of the whole house. When I was buying homes, and that would give me a sense of the home. And it was just like I was there. And it passed the initial sniff test, or it didn't pass the initial sniff test based on that, which was really helpful. I think I remember you saying that for some of your single family, you've never even been to them before. By now, I might not have been to one of them. <laughs> I only have three. I used to have four, I sold one. One of them I don't remember ever going to. I definitely have not been inside one of them. So. Okay, I would figure that once you build a trusting relationship with the broker mm-hmm. or the property manager, they understand what you want mm-hmm. and you understand what you want, yep. then you can trust them to make, not necessarily make the decision to buy it, but it's like, hey, you know, is this a property that I would be interested in buying or is it something that's outside of my comfort zone? Mm-hmm. With single family homes, it's easier too because even if you get it under contract, the inspector, the, what's a house inspection? A couple hundred dollars? Mm-hmm. 
at most you're out a couple hundred. Well, maybe there's some miscellaneous other costs, but let's say four hundred dollars, which is a lot of money. Period. But especially at the time for me was a lot of money, so I didn't want to get to that point. But even if I did, there was limited downside to then getting the inspection and it turning out that there's all sorts of things wrong with it. Okay, I got to back out of it. I miss out on three, four hundred dollars, which is terrible. But with an apartment building, there's more costs involved with that, with inspections、mm-hmm. and due diligence, things like that, and just relationships in general, much. Smaller community and fewer opportunities, and you don't really want to go、yeah. down that road. So those are my updates. Just to finish off, so a month from now we will be in Denver. Wow! This ever conference. Maybe it's a wrapping up a month. A month, yeah, yeah.、It's、wrapped up. We've had a successful conference a month. A month from today. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, besteverconference.com. We don't have a lot of tickets left. We will sell out. That's a fact. And if you want to go, then we'd love for you to go. BestEverConference.com. You go check out the speaker list.、It's、got a lot of excellent speakers, and there's also a bigger pockets meetup that's not connected to us. But I'm going. I think you're going. Grant's going. Colleen, my wife's going. Sam's going. Samantha, who's on our team, so we'll all be there. And Ben, who's co-hosting the conference with me, he'll be there, I believe. At that meetup, so that would be good. You got to go check out Bigger Pockets headquarters that Thursday at the meetup, and then roll right into Friday, Saturday. We'll do our conference. Got happy hour Friday night for all the conference attendees, and it'll just be a lot of fun. Be a lot of fun and informative. Yep. And also make sure you go on the Facebook and join the Best Ever community.、Um, I saw that we had a pretty long, lengthy post that had a lot of engagement on there that Grant posted. Yeah, it was a post about top. Things I've witnessed, and this just happened. It's kind of a not a pet peeve, but I had to get it off my chest because I've witnessed a lot of things recently from some entrepreneurs who are self-sabotaging their real estate business, or in some cases with some people who are not even in real estate, and they're just messing up from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And business is hard enough. To have a successful company and to build it, we shouldn't have self-inflicted wounds. And I came up with a list with Grant, who's on the team, and we posted about all the ways that we found people who are being hurt with self-inflicted wounds on business. So, yeah, best ever community, go check out that list. Add to it. We've got a lot of people who have added to it. That's what you're talking about. And it's a great way to take this conversation and put it online and stay engaged. And lastly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a review for the chance to be the review of the week. This week we've got a review from Sammy Girl Seven, and she—I know it's a she—said, <laughs>、uh, <laughs> "High-level investing advice plus great entrepreneur" was the title. She said, "The advice that you can get from each guest in the show is unparalleled to anything else." I have listened to before. Not only does Joe bring out investors in the real estate world, but also some high-level entrepreneurs that I learn a great deal from as well. I highly recommend for real estate investors and business entrepreneurs. Well, Sammy Girl Seven, thank you so much for that, and it's a team effort, that's for sure. Both from all the best ever listeners who are listening and participating in the conversation in, in Facebook, as well as the team here who helps find the guests. Grant he finds the guests primarily, 
and Samantha, who interacts with a lot of them, and Theo, who helps me with the content, and then myself, who does the interviews. And so thanks for that compliment. And everyone, please do a review in iTunes. That would be very helpful to help us keep the content going strong. It's great. Catching up with you. I hope you have a best ever weekend and we will talk to you tomorrow. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin' Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at com forward slash show. That's D-W-E-L-L-Y-N-N dot com forward slash show.